I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Don't know when I've been so blue. Don't know what's come over you. You found someone new. And don't it make my brown eyes blue? I'll be fine when you're gone I'll just cry all night long Say it is all What I had, but honey, now I That is the unmistakable voice of my guest today on the program, Crystal Gale. Let me tell you a little bit about Crystal Gale. So, if Cervantes was right, and I think he was rarely wrong, and he who sings frightens away his ills, then Crystal Gale probably hasn't had a lot of, well, ills. Because Crystal Gale is a singer. A real singer. A pure singer. And her voice has a heavenly glide that sounds not only like a voice you've known all your life, but a voice that has always known you. Now, Crystal Gale really needs no introduction, but just in case you don't know much about this Kentucky-born country legend, let me give you a speedy primer. Crystal Gale got her start singing in her sister Loretta Lynn's band. Yes, that Loretta Lynn. But she stepped out of that intimidating but very traditional shadow by playing music that wasn't traditional at all. So, instead of playing country, Crystal Gale played country pop. Think Taylor Swift, but in 1970, and then you're on the right track. Now, Crystal Gale had several mid-70s hits like Wrong Road Again, but 1977's Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue really put her on the map because the song was everywhere. An absolutely massive international hit. The song topped the Billboard country chart, and it crossed over to make the top five of the Billboard Hot 100. From there, Crystal Gale just packed her CV with achievement after achievement. Let me give you a partial list, okay? All right. She won a Grammy. She toured with Kenny Rogers and Bob Hope. She was the first person to record a vocal performance on the Great Wall of China. She recorded with Tom Waits. She became the first country artist to be certified platinum. She was the Country Music Association's Female Vocalist of the Year twice. And she was named to the same honor three times by the Academy of Country Music. She's a member of the Grand Old Opry. She has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, and she played with the Muppets. 
It's true. She has a very sweet performance on The Muppet Show in the late 70s. It is, uh, well, it's so adorable that, uh, you know, if there was YouTube back then, uh, Crystal Gale with her uh, with her delightful persona, her absolutely natural beauty, and uh, her riveting voice, well, she would have melted YouTube. Over the course of her winning career, Crystal Gale has put out 24 studio albums. And that includes the brand new album, You Don't Know Me, which breaks a 16-year studio album silence. And it finds Gale taking on country classics from her youth. Co-produced by Gale and her son Christos, the album includes Gale and her sisters Loretta Lynn, yes, that Loretta Lynn, and Peggy Sue Wright taking on the Porter Wagon or Dolly Parton classic Put It Off Until Tomorrow, Willie Nelson's Hello Walls, and Ribbon of Darkness, which was made popular by Connie Smith. So, how does Gale sound? Well, she sounds like Crystal Gale, which is to say that she sounds perfect. And I never thought I would say this sentence, but here's my conversation with Crystal Gale, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. that to um to work with your son that's kind of a, that's kind of a sweet thing I, it makes me feel like you guys must have a very good relationship where you can take artistic notes from your kid when i uh started the project and we were in the studio and you know chris was had went to belmont university and all the music programs engineering so he was engineering the project in the beginning i wanted him to hear what I grew up listening to, what I grew up singing. I mean, this is a you know a classic country album that uh, these songs mean a lot to me. So really, it was a, a, a learning process um, for Chris in a way when we started it. I mean, he was doing so great in the in the studio, engineering, and uh, then he co-produced the the project as well as he mixed everything. At one point, you must have been like, "Oh, I raised this kid pretty well." <laughs> of course we raised him well. <laughs> he's good. You know, we're in the studio. Yeah, he's good. And you know, he um he's so into the studio. I mean he knows everything. I'm like he'll try to tell me about what this frequency is or what we did here and it's like, Okay, you know, I'm just gonna sing it. <laughs> you take care of that. But I mean we had you know, sometimes our differences and he'll say, We sing that line and I'd say, Well, let me hear it back, or I, and and I would say, you know, I like how I said that because I think you could sing it better. <laughs> but you know how mothers are; we we know best. So. <laughs> well, that's right. Have you been the kind of artist throughout your career? Can you take a note? I mean, are are you good at taking criticism? Uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes it just depends. You know, when you're you're doing it and you feel everything is good. If I'm not really knowing what I'm doing, if it's a new song I'm trying to get into, just definitely uh, letting me know that, um, you know, maybe I'm not approaching it right from the songwriter or from, you know, and it's okay. Maybe it wasn't the song that I should sing. But, you know, you have to... You have to be able to listen as well, and 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 that actually not in just the music, but in the business, and all you know, with everything. 
how do you know what to stand up for? I mean, anytime someone gives me a piece of criticism about my writing, deep down, if I think they're kind of right, I'll listen. <laughs> but if I if I hundred percent believe that they're wrong, then I you know, then I know. Do you find that's the same for you when, when getting a note of some kind? Well, you know, it's it's definitely uh, when when you know that they are right with what you're doing. Because sometimes, let, let's say being on stage doing a live concert, and and maybe I might be talking too much on a certain thing, and you know, it would flow better if you stayed away from that and did this, and and yeah, I will take those uh, uh, that advice and. But sometimes, you know, you're out there and you start talking, you're into everything. So, well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, to me on stage, it's, it's, you have to be there for fun, not to tell everybody what they're supposed to do. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, music is healing. Music is out there. Uh, I mean, I, I have through the years so many letters from people telling me that my music got them through a hard time in their life whether it was an illness, a divorce, you know, just anything. And uh, that always made me feel really good, that my music was not just a song. It was healing. Yeah, it's like it's an experience for people. It is. I mean, I find myself, you know, I'll be in a store, and then I'll look around, someone's looking at me, because I'm humming, or I'm singing, not really realizing I'm a little louder than I should be. (laughs) But it's, um, you know, it's it's there. I grew up singing. You know, I grew up singing. Uh, my mother said I could sing before I could walk. So, you know, it was just in our souls. You know, I was born in, in uh, Paintsville, Kentucky, which is right down the road from Butcher Holler, Kentucky. And, uh, uh, of course, being the last out of eight, I was the only one born in a hospital. Mm. So... You know, my mom thought she's gonna have problems with me. I guess. <laughs> but you know, in, in Kentucky, um, the hill music—I mean, people would play their guitars, their bands, any type of music, uh, any instrument—on um, the porch, and it would go from one holler to the other. You'd hear it. <laughs> it's beautiful back there. Did you self-identify as a singer really young? Yes, I did. I mean, I would sing, um, not knowing that I would be in music. And maybe it would have been, I would just have been singing in church. Music was a big part of my life, but I think it's because also it was a big part of our family. And it was before, and, and if, if we want to go in the direction of, I, some people don't realize that uh, Loretta Lynn and I are sisters. So, you know, I grew up with my sister in the business. You know, when she started out, she dumped two kids off at our house <laughs> and she put two kids over at her husband Lenny's uh, mom and dad and then they went out on the road and you know did all the things that you have to at that time to get your record played to get out there and you know we had a great time I mean it was Ernie and Sissy that was mainly at, at uh, our house and well we had some really good fights and <laughs> I just you know I had extra <laughs> siblings it was just fun <laughs> yeah I mean I'm curious also, um, Crystal, how is your relationship with your voice now compared to, say, when you were 20? Are you are you very protective of it? Are you um, – how? in other words, how do you navigate the sort of um, – the nuances of being 
you know, your, your singing is your superpower. So are you very protective of the voice? Are you, how do you preserve it? And how has your relationship to it changed over the years? Well, if you look back at the beginning music, you know, of course you hear the young girl, you young, on, on this new CD of mine, I actually put a demo on uh, the bonus track of when I was by 16, and it was the, uh, the demo of uh, for the publishing company, Surefire Music, that it eventually became my first single, but not the demo. And there's a little bit difference in the melody, but it was just, you know, I you go in and and sing and and, um, but you know at that time you know I I would sing everything, try to sing like my sister, I try to sing like Brenda Lee, anybody out there that I loved, I I would try to sing like they would sing, and with your voice, I mean you you start, you record, you get in the studio, that's when you can actually hear all the nuances within the voice. Mm. Uh, I was so lucky to be put with Alan Reynolds, great producer. He had his own studio. So he let me go in, and we'd take one song, and he said, now sing this one way, and then let's try it a different way, and just see what you like about your voice. So he let me, and it was incredible, to just listen to my voice, what I didn't like, what I did, uh, you know. So it was, it was uh, really a neat experience. And, you know, because... If you didn't have a studio going in at that time, it's expensive. Right. To have, um, you know, you, you know, you're paying all that time, so you just want to rush in, do that song, and get as many songs as you can in that one session. It's fascinating to me to hear about you. You had this beautiful voice, and yet you still had to figure out what that voice was artistically. Like we knew you could sing, but what was your identity, I guess, as an artist? Well, I never took voice lessons. You know, I went to, you know, in high school, I would go sing with the choir and swing groups. And then I decided to take a song to solo in my senior year of school. And, you know, I'd never had the, the lessons in the sense of, well, you're supposed to breathe right, this and that. And I did go to uh, a, a girl, in t- a lady in town, and she listened to me sing the song I was going to take to contest. And uh, she said, you're singing it great. So I went in, and, and uh, I got first place on that. I thought that was very good. That's pretty good, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get, and I actually had a cold that day, so I was happy. <laughs> Maybe they felt sorry for me. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you take your voice, and, uh, you know, as we age, we mature, your voice changes, and it does, you know, because I can hear it through the years. And, but, you know, you... You change. You, what I love about it, people now, you know, say, "Oh, you sound just the same," which is so special that they feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know, it's it's just a, a part of life, and you deal with your voice. You take care of it as well as you can. Um, there were times, I mean, when I was on the road so much and uh, doing the two shows a night because I did the Vegas, and those are so hard to do for night after night because you're really uh, pushing it. So, you know, you, would, you, you wouldn't you would have any fun. You'd, stay, you'd stick your head in the shower just to get <laughs> humidity. <laughs> so, you know, you, you have to take care of it, and it's not as easy as a lot of people think. No, and I imagine also for 
you know, a guitar player has to take care of their hands, right? Or, you know, the tool of the trade. And I was thinking about how this is your first album in, in, I think, 16 years. Is that correct? You know, I never really even realized it had been that long because I've been doing certain things and out on the road touring. But yes, it has been that long since I've put something out. Right. And so entering into a studio and working with your son, and it's such a cool thing. Um, what are you noticing about your voice? Do you feel that it's that it's different, maybe, but stronger? Do you feel more effective? Like, how would you describe it now? Uh, you know, for the when I sing, um, if the song needs it to be stronger, you do that. Uh, when I and, or you soften it, it really you just it's there. It's not something I've really just thought about. Okay, I've got to do this to my voice or, or right. that. It's just, you just need to take care of it, get the rest, um, get, you know, drink the water. And it used to be eight glasses. And I went in the other day to the voice clinic and he said, 16. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of homework. Ground. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. Eight to 16. Interesting. I have also been told that certain foods, uh, can affect your voice like nightshades evidently are uh can make it a bit scratchy so you got to start thinking about like self-preservation i suppose you know well you know like uh, tea and coffee and a lot of people drink that and and you know that's sort of drying um you know i do drink coffee but it's you know not close to maybe in the morning uh you know you stay away from dairy i mean that is not the, the best thing no um especially if you're in the show date um, just there are just so many things that can affect it. I saw um, an interview with Freddie Mercury from many years ago, and he was chain smoking. And I thought, how is that guy chain smoking and hitting those operatic notes? <laughs> like that's incredible. I know. I've seen people smoking, and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I smoked. <laughs> and you know, it's, but in the end, it probably takes its toll. I think um, so. I think, in, I think in a lot of ways. So. It probably but has to. Smoking, you know, my mother smoked, and none of the girls in our family ever smoked, because I think because our mom did, and you could see it, and you smell it, and this and that. And I was always kind of cleaning it up. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you know, I'm I'm glad we didn't as, uh, as as girls, and she is too. I mean, she did develop the the lung cancer mm. from it. I mean, there's also different types of uh, lung problems you can have, but. Uh, she had it from smoking, and of course, she started when she was by ten, you know, back in the hills. Oh my God, that's so, yeah, that's so young. That's young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least wait till there you're thirteen. You um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, I'm curious: Are you the kind of artist? Are you hard on yourself? To you know, do you set a standard for yourself that is? Um, Obviously, you you have high standards, but are you someone that is hard on yourself when you when you're recording, when you're writing, when you're creating? Definitely, uh, I'm harder on myself than other people would be. And and when you're in the studio and you, uh, you know, I'll sometimes put down tracks on songs I really like and I want to to record, but I don't really know it that well, so I want to really sing it. So I'll go back in later and do it. But I, you know, it's. To me, you can't overdo when you're doing a song with uh, the headphones. It's usually the first few takes. If you can't get it then, then stop and do it the next day. <laughs> because it's, 
your performance, you're, you're in the moment in the beginning of this text. It, when I recorded, I mean, Brown Eyes was a, a live studio text. Mm. We, I did try to re-sing it, but it didn't feel right. We needed, it was just a performance with everybody. And Alan put uh, the strings on it, and that was it. And a lot of my songs were like when I dreamed. That was a, a live take with the orchestra in, in the studio. And, you know, it was just, it's so much fun to, to create and be there doing the live takes with the band. It's 4 a.m. and you're just getting in. Your first night out, I won't ask you where you've been. You're so ashamed, and your eyes won't meet mine. I've seen that look on me a thousand times. What makes us do the things that we do? Heaven only knows. We think. Of it, you know, in the sense of 
I mean, oh, okay, up tempo, and you're just going crazy on it. That's okay. But you get a ballad, and you're singing, and it's uh, you want to have, um, you know, we never nobody sings just perfect, right in that on key, exactly right in the middle. Not really, you know. Right. Um, no, you need that. I mean, it's just part of of, uh, of the hearing, the experience of uh, everything. I mean, there are people with perfect pitch. But I think that perfect pitch, uh, I maybe does it waver a little bit too. Who knows? But um, you know, I feel like sometimes when I've seen projects and I've seen people, they are tuning. You tune one word, and it's like, wow, um, everything else sounds out of tune. Yeah. <laughs> so don't tune that word. It's like you can't. And a little off here and there. That's real. Yeah, because I think there's there the perfection can be found in the moments of imperfection. It definitely, and it's I, and I don't mean real off words or off tune in the sense that it's just so off, but it's just that little bit. And you know, sometimes the song I'll bend a note, and maybe someone will listen to that and think, "Oh, she's flat." Well, you bend it because it's part of the song, right? You know, it's just that you know it's part of it, and. Um, you know, I, I and and that was when we when I was working with Chris in the studio. Maybe I'd bend one, and he'd say, "I think you're off tune." Then I said, "No, that's what I wanted to do," <laughs> <laughs> because his ear was hearing. He wanted to hear that straight on note, and that you know, you know, it's like, no, you know, this is part of what that song is to me. I would imagine um, then that that live performance probably has always been more appealing to you than studio. Oh, I, I really enjoy being on stage. You know, there's times, and I'm sure every artist has had, where you're out there and you're sick, and you just still have to go on, and you're like, oh my, <laughs> and the people love it, but you're saying, oh, I did everything wrong, you know? Right. <laughs> but, you know, when when you're right on and you feel really good, it's, it is a, a great feeling out there. And I mean, there's, I just love um, that I have made so many wonderful friends through the years i mean any place i go i know i'm gonna see someone i know that's been to my concerts before when i see you on stage you seem so comfortable so in the pocket and i'm curious to know are you a shy person off stage <laughs> yeah i was a very very shy person and my mother when i was uh people come to the house and i was um, young and she would make me sing. And then I would start to hide when people came because she'd find me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I look back at that, and I think she was trying to draw me out of my shell. You know, my father, he passed away when I was about eight. And I went more into a shell. Sure. The quiet one. It, was, it affected me differently. And that I, knew, I know she thought that I had to get out of that. And, I don't know what ever led me to be on stage to sing, but I could sing and if I could have hidden behind microphone stands, I would have. <laughs> Finally, you know, just with meeting people, talking to people and being on stage, you know, I got out of that shyness, which is good. <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was difficult. And I, I look back and I wonder why I couldn't say that, you know, and do this. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, sure I turned down a lot of things just because of being shy. When you get off the stage, 
do you feel like you kind of like turn back into yourself again? Like, like in other words, there's such a performative element to being a public figure, right? Um, when you get off the stage, do you feel um, like, does something change in you? Well, I think it's more of, oh, the show's over, you know, now I'm going to say hello to everybody. Right. <laughs> Which I love. You know, it's, you do go back, but it's not, um, because you are up in a different way when you're out there on stage. Now you, you can take your breath and, and then you go in and say hello and, and meet people and, and which, like I said, I, I really enjoy being able to have the time to do that. Now, sometimes we can't because we're, you know, having to be somewhere really the next day and it's so far that you just have to leave. And, but, um, that's one of the things about country music that has always been there is the rapport with, with the fans that would come uh, to your concerts. Do you and, feel? And if you look back in time, it, you know, we, it wasn't this big, big, big business. When I started out in the early 70s, if you sold 30 to 50,000 copies, that was a big hit. Yeah. So country music has evolved. If you look back at those times, that was a hit. I mean, that was, but it wasn't like, uh, you know, uh, the big pop scene. But then when I, you know, I had brown eyes and that was a platinum. Uh, album that was that sold the million. I think it might have been the first female to do that in country. But um, you know, I never looked at all those things. They'll tell me these things that I've done, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I guess I should be out there. You know, I did this. I did that. Yeah, right. I, I loved every minute of it. I did Bob Hope specials. I mean, that was incredible. Dean Martin. I mean, I look back and I think, wow. You you sound like such a nice person. Were you ever competitive with your contemporaries at the time? Was there a competitive streak that was in Crystal Gale? Yeah, I I really don't have that. You know, I, I always felt if we were the five in the category of female vocalists that we all won. And I do know a few that did have that competitive streak that... Uh, <laughs> They would trip you if they could, <laughs> and I just—I never did. I, you know, I—I I, I think I was like I was thankful to be in the business. I, I love the success. I was very honored that. I mean, I would listen to demos of songwriters that would send their songs to me. They'd have these wonderful voices sing their songs, and I'm thinking, why aren't they recording? And that was my first impression. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to sing this so much better, or I'm going to do. It was like. Nashville was full of so many great entertainers, and I felt very lucky that I was able to step out and have success. This is such a competitive business, and it sounds like you've had a lot of the same friendships that you've had for a really long time. Um, And friendship is so important in life, but also in this business. How have you been able to maintain um, professional friendships as well as personal friendships in the music industry for so long? I think it's like in a family, too, that when you haven't seen someone for a couple of years, you just take it back up. You know, it's just, it's like you never had that time in between. You know, of course, being on the road, you are gone a lot. And I love it when we're able to work with other artists that we are good friends with. And uh, you know, the package shows. But, you know, you, you do the best you can. It's like being a parent 
and having children and you're on the road. When my children were young, we took them on the road. When they started school, I did not want them to miss uh, having the friendships in high school or junior high or grade school, any of that. Right. So um, my husband, you know, he would stay home more with them. You know, there's times when he would go out with me, but it, they needed that stability. The song listing on this record is amazing, and there are such emotional songs for you, and they, they've lasted throughout your whole life. They've been with you. Um, what do you think? And this is a hard question, Crystal. I hate to ask you this, but how, what do you think makes a song like a great painting? What do you think makes it last? What do you think keeps it evergreen? To me, I, you know, there's just great songs that, uh, you know, there goes my everything. That was such a well-written song. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to go to my song of brown eyes. And I get asked, do you ever get tired of singing it? I don't because it was so well-written. Right. It was a, you know, to me, it, those songs don't come around very often, uh, Brown Eyes. I'm so glad I got one of them because, <laughs> I mean, those songs live on forever. They're, um, and when I listen to the, the lyrics, it's like, it's not this long, drawn-out song that has 20 million words that when you do record something like that, you're all the time thinking, okay, what was next? <laughs> yeah. This song just comes out. It's there. I like that when I dream. Sandy Mason wrote that. I mean, she was so incredible as a songwriter. Uh, I mean, but she went into her heart, and you knew when she was writing this what she was thinking. And you sort of put yourself into the song when you sing it. And you, it's like uh, when you listen to Billie Holiday, she was into those songs, and her, her whole soul was in the singing and that in a way you know sometimes when you're singing certain types of songs you put yourself up there thinking okay i'm i'm doing this and i'm or my mother always loved one i drink so i always think of her and her thoughts so so much of it it depends on how you interpret the song yes yes and someone else could sing it differently um I love my song, um, Ready for the Times to Get Better. Mm. And that you can take it about life, or you can take it about love. And to me, when I sing it nowadays, I think about the world, America. I mean, what's going on here? And I'm yeah. thinking, we need more love. We need, you know, we just need to accept everything and move on. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that love out there, I mean, I can, and I see it when, because I have Facebook and I have Instagram and I, all those things that, uh, you know, I can get on and do a few things until I mess up my computer. And then <laughs> help, help. But, uh, it, you know, I'll say something, not really say something, if I have a picture with a friend, and, and then you'll get, why are you with them? Or why'd you do this? Or you, I'm like, what in the heck? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? And, and you just have to, um, you know, really, just love is the most important thing. You know, we have to accept life. We have to accept uh, that it's made up of so many different types of people in thoughts as well as race. And, and But we all should get together, be together. I mean, we shouldn't have the turmoil that we do. We shouldn't. And do you feel, as an artist and as a person, do you feel wiser now than you've ever felt? 
Uh, I guess in ways, you know. <laughs> um, you, you, when you step back, when I was really hitting the road and, and, and being on it all the time, it was just your, uh, your music, your songs, your, the business you're doing, everybody was coming at you in every different direction. You didn't have time to think about other things, really. And then when I had children, I started slowing down some. I didn't want to be um, out on the road as much because every country artist would almost live on the road. <laughs> right. But uh, then it, um, you have to slow it down and, and start looking around. And um, There's a, a lot of good out there, a lot of good people, and I'm so glad that I've been across America and the world, actually, and I've met a lot of them. You mentioned Billie Holiday. I'm curious to know um, who you really admire that are not country singers, people like Billie Holiday or... Who are who are some other people in your record collection that that uh, that you've always loved? Well, I love Big Bird. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I sing a lot of Big Bird. You know, <laughs> I sing along with that with the kids. <laughs> oh, I love Melissa Manchester. Uh, you know, Linda Ronstadt. I mean, you can't get any better than that. No. And I love her voice, and uh, you know, it's uh, and, you know, I hate that she's going through a lot of things right now, but. It's you know it's just part of life and you can't change things, but I mean definitely her voice is one of my favorite. Kelly Clarkson, I love her voice. Yeah, as you know, stepping away from uh, Carrie Underwood. I know she's country, but she still has the uh, the crossover as well, and uh, she can sing anything. What was your take on Amy Winehouse? I loved her music. Yeah, you know it's um, you know I see. Um, oh, is it Casey Musgrave? I think that uh, I see sometimes her hair. She does it like Amy did. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. No, but I'm, you know, it's it's sad that we have things out there that take control of people in the, the substances that they'll put in their body that I, you know that people cannot say no to. Right? Or they they have. A, Certain people can, and certain people can, and you know, we miss our music a lot. Now, I I don't want to make you commit to anything, but uh, Crystal, don't wait sixteen years for another album. My God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually probably have enough for number two. Right okay, away good. If we wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> but my son says I'd like to do new songs on you, and I said, okay, we'll do some of those. <laughs> actually, we have some of those. We have been doing. Um, you know, I'll go in, I'll say, oh, I really want to do this song. So I have a mixture of songs that I love that um, uh, were out there, all different styles of music, as well as some new ones that we've done. And I think I'll probably uh, have a mixture. And is it safe to say that you have never been as excited as you are now? You just you just sound great, and you sound so happy. Well, I, I am happy with... Uh, you know, life changes through the through the years. I'm so glad that my son is uh, loving what he does. He's been working in uh, uh, with Frankie Marino, who is in Las Vegas, and they have done I don't he's mixed by I'm gonna say eight at least eight albums for him, <laughs> and he's just incredible. You should talk to Frankie. Sometimes. I'd love to talk to Frankie. So good, he is really. I'll have to tell him to call you. Please. And he, you know, it's. But Chris is, you know, he's doing all different. I mean, Chris could also, he does, like, he can make the tracks. 
he can do that style as well because it's what he grew up with. And uh, but that is one of the reasons I was showing him the real country. You know, I wanted him to to feel that with the live musicians in the studio and how they felt performing these songs, and they loved it. And is your understanding of those songs, the way you interpret them now, is it different than the way you interpreted them when you were when you were younger? Do you feel that you know them um, from a whole different perspective? Definitely in a different way. I mean, as a child, I remember singing Top of My Lung, you know, Please Help Me, I'm Falling, or uh, Just Give Me One More Drink, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did I realize that I was singing about the drinking song? <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're learning these songs, and you're, but some of them, you know, when I would sing along with them, my first actual recordings was I had a tape recorder, and I would turn on the record player. I'd have my recorder on, and uh, it was a cassette recorder, and I'd turn on Brenda Lee, and I'd sing right along with her, but I'd try to sing a little louder so I could record myself <laughs> with her track. I was trying to find those. That to me shows a kind of early artistic precision that you were you had this sort of like makeshift studio thing you were doing. It's really interesting. Well, you you know you can listen back and you hear things, and I, I you know I was I wish I'd kept up with my French, but it's how I would do um, in my language courses, and it was French I was taking, and I would do that and listen to myself and hear that I wasn't saying it properly. So you know from what. Uh, I was taught, you know, so you'd work on that. So it does help. It does help. And by the way, just out of curiosity, do you sing every day? Do you practice every day? What is your daily discipline? Well, I should. I really should <laughs> sing every day. Especially now, since I'm not out on the road constant. Because when you're on the road constantly, you are singing about every day. Right. And, and definitely, it's, it's good to... Uh, going in the studio or just at home with the piano, the guitar, uh, just sing, you know, turn the radio on and it, it helps keep it up. And uh, definitely, um, I'll do that today. You know, <laughs> oh, I, I, I feel like I'm now, I, now I feel terrible. I'm like, Crystal, get to work. <laughs> I know I'm going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, your album is glorious. You are the loveliest. And I'm so, I'm so glad I got a chance to talk to you. Oh, well, thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, I just love Crystal Gale. Wasn't she sweet? The greatest. So gracious and genial and, uh... So kind. I felt like I could ask her anything. There was nothing I felt I couldn't throw at her. She, uh, she's the greatest. There you go. Crystal Gale. Uh, all Crystal Gale information can be found at crystalgale.com. Go get her new album. It is remarkable. Uh, her voice sounds incredible. The track listing is amazing. And uh, the production is fantastic. So get it. It'll be on your uh, best of 2019 list, I promise you. Now, after you go to Crystal Gale's website, go to mine, alexgreenonline.com. All pertinent information about me can be found there. You know, uh, like my, my favorite recipes, my favorite runway designers, 
you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor or on Instagram at Embers Podcast or just email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. I know I always tell you this, but Stereo Embers, the podcast, can be found on any podcast platform. Spotify, Last.fm, Apple Music, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. Where else are we? Oh, iHeartRadio. Go to wherever you feel comfortable going and uh, subscribe to us for free. Leave us a nice comment or two, maybe a couple of stars. We'd appreciate it. All right. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for your support. We really appreciate it. Let's close things off with another new song from Crystal Gale's new album, This Is You Win Again. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. The news is out all over town That you've been seen out running round I know that I should leave, but then I just can't go. You and again, this heart of mine could never see what everybody. again.